Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Uh, This past week, I was uh, reading a story about um, this kind of eccentric billionaire, and and he threw a party at his mansion and he invited a bunch of like famous people and he invited uh, some not so famous people and they were just having a good old time at the party. And then at some point along the party, um, this billionaire kind of asked everybody to gather around his pool. He's got this Olympic sized pool and, and he throws down this proposition to all the party goers that were there. Uh, he said this, he said, He said, I will give anything. I'll give anything that I have, a car, my home, my plane, my money. I'll give anything that I have uh, to the person that will jump in the pool and swim to the other side. Anybody, Anybody willing to jump in the pool and swim to the other side? Well, here's the caveat. There were five sharks in the pool. (laughs) And so nobody responds, right? Nobody takes him up on his offer. So then he, he kind of addresses the party goers again. He said, listen, I will give you anything that I have if you'll just jump in the pool and swim to the other side. And I mean, it wasn't as soon as he got those words out, splash. And all of a sudden you look in the pool and there's this guy that's in there is just panicking, out of, like panicking like crazy and, and swimming to the other side. And he finally gets to the other side and some of the party goers pull him out and he's trying to catch his breath and the billionaire comes over and he's just like, he's like, man, it's so amazing, so excited, anything. I'm a man of my word. You can have anything of mine that you want. And the guy looks at him and he says, I want to know who pushed me in. (laughs) (laughs) Who pushed me in? the pool. And uh, I don't know about your journey with God. I don't know where you are in and, and that relational journey. Um, but I do know this from my own personal experience is that sometimes, sometimes following God is that way. Sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes it feels like God has got his hands in the small of our back and he's kind of he's nudging us. He's kind of pushing us into places and spaces that we would normally be scared to go. And I'm gonna be a little honest with you in this Elephant in the Room series, that this series is gonna feel a little bit like that. This series is gonna feel a little bit like, like God is kind of nudging you into some areas that you might be hesitant to go. But I want you to understand this promise, that when you feel God's hand, you need to trust his plan. When you feel God's hand nudging you into the direction that he wants you to go, you've got to trust his plan. And this is why in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse seven, it says that blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and puts their confidence in him. Now, I know if we went around the room and said, who wants to be blessed in their life, right? We all want to have a blessed family, a blessed marriage, 
you know, bless kids, bless finances. We all want to have those things in our life. But the caveat is that you and I can't experience those things in our life unless we put our trust in God and we have confidence in him. This is what you will discover in your faith journey with God is that there is always a purpose to the push. There's always a purpose that God has when he begins to nudge us into directions and places that make us uncomfortable. And so today, as we kick off this series, four-week series called Elephant in the Room, I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like for us to steward our finances, to steward our possessions in a way that honors God. Hey, turn to, uh, turn to a few people, say, don't resist the push. Don't resist. Don't resist. Listen, we're going to go on a journey, a four-week journey, and the reason why this series and this topic matters is because this topic matters to Jesus. If you were to go through the Bible and through the New Testament, through the Gospels of, of Jesus and what was shared from Jesus' teachings, this is what you would notice, is that over 2,500 times, 2,500 times, Jesus spoke directly about how we look at our money, what we do with our money. He was interested in that. And the reason why is because Jesus knew, he knew that the way that we look at our money and our possessions had more power to ruin our lives than sin or bad habits. And he wanted to make sure that we were set up for success. And I'm going to tell you that over these next few weeks, over this journey of us talking about stewardship and how we look at our, our finances and how we look at our possessions, I'm going to, I'm going to give you like a, a, a heads up that, that Satan is going to work overtime. He's going to work overtime to, to, to try to get into your heart and your mind. And I want to really challenge you that over the next four weeks to lean in, because here's the reality, is that Satan wins in our life if he could keep us from experiencing God's best. That he wins if he can keep us from um, settling for anything less than what Jesus died on the cross so that we could experience. So here's my challenge to you over the next four weeks, is to come with an open mind, to set aside any, any hurts, any uh, negative experiences that maybe you had at another church or another pastor, or you felt like you were in environments at one point where all the church wanted is your money. Listen, that's not, that's not what any of this is about. But I can tell you this, that Satan is going to work overtime to begin to turn your heart, to make you busy, right? To make you not be able to show up. But if you will stay committed over these next four weeks, I promise you, it will transform your life because it has mine. And it has a lot of people in this room. And so in this series, I wanna be your tour guide. I wanna be your tour guide from average to blessed to experience truly what Jesus died on the cross so that we would experience. Hey, grab your Bible and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 
15 today. And while you're doing that, Deuteronomy chapter 15, um, want to encourage you to make sure that you're here next week because um, there's something that we're going to be doing in the service next week that we've never done here before. And you will hate that you missed it. You will hate it. We've been working on this for like two years, talking about it. And uh, we're going to debut it next week. And it's going to be amazing. And you, I promise you, you won't regret, um, promise you, you won't regret being here and seeing it. So let's look at uh, De- Deuteronomy chapter 15. Today, I want to talk to you from this title. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, one of the things that I love about this text is it's just a, it's a beautiful picture of of what God is trying to kind of help us see and and experience and live out in our life as it relates to how we view our perspective on our stuff. And and a little bit of context for uh, Deuteronomy 15 to kind of set it up for you. So so here we see Moses, um, you may remember the story, Moses led the people of Israel, right, out of slavery. As they left Egypt out of slavery, they ended up uh, spending 40 years, right, wandering around in uh, the wilderness. They spent 40 years in the wilderness because of disobedience and idolatry. Now, idolatry is kind of like, kind of a big churchy kind of word, like what Mike was talking about, tabernacle, earlier. But the, the big idea of, of idolatry is it's when we put anything above God in our life. All right. when, we, when we trust in something or have confidence in something other than God, that becomes an idol in our life. And it was the people of Israel, it was their disobedience and their idolatry that caused them to wander around in the wilderness. And over a period of 40 years, Moses then leads them to the barrier, the, the, the kind of um, the line of the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 15, that's what's happening, that they're here at the edge of the promised land. In the rearview mirror is, is, is their old life. In front of them is the life that God has promised them. And the reason why Deuteronomy 15 is important for you and I to really kind of wrap our head around is because um, not only is it a real story that happened, but it's a metaphor for our own lives. It's a metaphor. When you read and you look at the people of Israel and you look at our own lives, that, that it, instead of Moses, it was Jesus. And Jesus died on a cross to, to bring freedom in our lives from slavery, right? And so that slavery in our life was sin, and what happens in that journey is that you and I, were human, and we experience seasons of disobedience and, and idolatry, and we put things above God, and we, we refuse to do what he leads us to do or what his word says, and it puts us in these seasons of wandering. And some of you have been in that season before, and God has brought you out because you surrender, fully surrendered your life. And some of you might find yourself in a season right now where it just feels like it's the same thing over and over and over again in our lives. And that comes through disobedience and idolatry. And so we see the promise is, is that Jesus is leading us on this journey from slavery of sin to fully surrendering to him so that you and I can experience the promised land that God has for us, both here on earth 
and eternally in heaven. And so we see this setting up in Deuteronomy 15. And I want you to see uh, what it says as it relates to um, just our heart towards generosity. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7. It says, but if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land that the Lord your God is given you, speaking of the promised land, he says, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. In verse 8, it says, instead, be what? Be what? Generous. generous. Like some of you are like, I don't even want to say the word. I'm so like... It says, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Today, I want to show you four observations from this uh, chapter that I think will help us to begin to understand what having the right heart towards God in every area of our life looks like. First thing that I want to, um, I want to point out from this text is that we've got to deal with a selfish heart. We have to deal with a selfish heart. In verse nine, it says, do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. He's speaking of Jubilee, and I'll mention that in just a second. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. And so here's kind of the context of what's happening in this story and in this passage is that in the Old Testament, God instituted kind of an economic system and that economic system would cancel everybody's debts every seven years. Anybody interested in in kind of incorporating God's economic system in our life? Like, I don't know about you, but I'd be buying some big things. Like, you're six, right? Like, you're six. I'd be buying some some big things. But God is is saying here in in this scripture, in this verse, he's saying, listen, don't allow the thought of whether the person is gonna pay you back before the seven year where the debt is canceled that causes you to keep them or keep from loaning them the money. God says, if you're gonna do that, that you will be considered guilty of sin. And and listen, the reason why God says that is because he knows this reality that applies to all of our lives is that a selfish heart leads to a sinful life. Think about it. A selfish heart leads to a sinful life. Think about, think about the last like big sin you committed, right? Or think about the, think about one of the worst. I don't know if you're like me, but you kind of have like, you kind of have like your biggies, right? You got your little ones and you got your biggies that you look back and you're like, man, I wish I would have, so stupid. Wish I would have never done that. We all have like sin in our life. And if you think back to something that you did at some point along um, your life, here's what you will discover. Every single one of them has a root. There's a root cause to every single one of those sins that we committed, and that root is selfishness. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Like everything, like if, if it was a selfishness, like you wanted something or, or, or pride or whatever it is, it was all connected to this root of selfishness in our life. And so 
God is addressing the people of Israel, which connects to us, that listen, you've got to get rid of the selfishness in your life in order to live the kind of life that I've created you to live. The second thing that we'll notice in verse 15 about our heart is that we've got to also deal with a regretful heart, a regretful heart. In verse 10, it says, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless everything that you do. I want to ask you a question. <laughs> Have you ever given in the offering, like maybe, maybe you gave your tithe, maybe you gave a, an offering to a missionary, maybe, um, uh, maybe you did a legacy offering, like we're going to do legacy offering in, in December, and, um, and you did something like that, and, um, and then the next week something broke like, like something like, like, a, like a, a water line broke at the house or you got a flat tire or whatever it is, but you gave something and then something broke the next week. What naturally happens for most of us? What happens is, is we begin to experience these feelings of regret, right? We begin to regret, oh man, if I wouldn't have given that in the offering, then I would have had money to resolve this or to, to fix this. And, and let me show you why why this is a big deal from God's perspective as it relates to our money, our money. Oh, shoot. I just, I just forgot that I, sorry. I forgot money. I was going to go play golf today and I totally forgot to, um, um, to bring some cash for that. But, um, bro, dude, thank you. Thank you. I needed that money. Some of you are like, Man, he gave me a hundred bucks. All right, that's cool. Anybody else like forget money? Uh, Mike's loaded. <laughs> Some of you are like, what the heck's going on? The reason why Mike was so quick to bring me up a hundred dollars is because I gave that to Mike. And I said at this point in the sermon, bring me up a hundred dollars. But why was it easy for Mike to bring up a hundred dollars? Because the hundred dollars wasn't his. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't his. And what happens in our heart, what happens when we begin to look at our money and our possessions as ours, we begin to regret sometimes when we give it. You see, this idea of a regretful heart being, being a sign that, that we view the stuff that we have as ours not his. And God's all about trying to lead us on this journey towards preparing the heart, making sure our heart is right. And, and so we've got to go through seasons where he begins to carve off the selfishness in our life and, and seasons where we begin to wrestle with, with what I have and is this, is this mine or is it, is it his? And then the third thing that God wants us to see in this text is that we've got to develop a generous heart. Not only do we have to deal with a selfish heart, no longer, no, um, we also have to deal with like the regretful heart, but number three, we've got to develop a generous heart. And in verse 14, it says, give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your threshing floor and your wine press. Notice what he says here. He says, share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. 
Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Let me ask you this, parents. Uh, I've got three kids. Um, Let me ask you this. Did you have to teach your kids to share or teach your kids to be selfish? Right? We all had to teach our kids to share because all of us are born with selfishness. Like I think about my three kids and one of their first words when they're growing up was mine, right? Mine. We all have this selfish heart that is inside of us. And God has taken us through this journey of beginning to kind of carve that away. It it reminds me of this story um, about a dad who takes his son to McDonald's. And and they go to McDonald's and the dad's just wanting to have a, a moment with his son where, where he could just spend some quality time. And so his dad buys this big thing of, of French fries and, and they sit down and, and his son is just, he's loving the French fries. He's just eating the French fries. How many people like French fries? Like, I, I, yes, yes, they're not good for my diet, but I love French fries. And, uh, and the son's just eating the French fries away. And the dad leans over and grabs a couple French fries and starts to bring the fries to his mouth. And his son slaps his arm away. And in that moment, the dad thought three things. <laughs> he thought three things. The first one is this. He thought, you know, my son obviously doesn't understand where these fries came from. He's thinking, I gave him the money to buy the fries. The dad's thinking, I am the source of the fries. The second thing that kind of goes through his mind in that moment is obviously my son doesn't understand that that I can give fries and I can take fries away. (laughs) Like I could just grab them and tell him that they're mine because I paid for them. Or I can go to the, the, the register and I can buy a hundred fries and I can come back and bury my son in fries. The third thing that crossed his mind is obviously my son doesn't realize that I don't need his fries. Like I can buy my own fries. But what stung this father the most is that he thought as the boy's father that wouldn't it be cool if they could go sit down and they could share some fries together. See, God said in verse 14, he said, share with him some of the bounty, notice this phrase, with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Church, I've learned it's taken a lot of trial and error in my life, but, but I've learned this reality about generosity that, that having a generous heart, generosity doesn't grip, it guides it doesn't hold on, it doesn't, it doesn't hoard, it's not like this with, with stuff, it, it guides stuff, it recognizes that everything that I have comes from the Lord. And as I receive, I don't grab, I guide. I become a conduit 
of the Holy Spirit in my life and the resources that God blesses me with. I don't know, you know, if you've ever been to like a pond or whatever and there's no movement in the water, what happens to that water? It becomes stagnant, begins to smell. Any pond that's built, they have some sort of, it either gets, gets water, like fresh water that's pumped into it, or they have some sort of flow of water. It just has to be enough to kind of move the waters a little bit in order to keep it from becoming that way. And that's what happens in our life. That when God blesses us and we become kind of a, a hoarder of that rather than a conduit, with a generous heart that guides what God has blessed us with in order to be a blessing to others, then then our lives become stagnant. They become stale. And then the fourth thing, the fourth thing that I think God wants us to see from Deuteronomy 15, is that if we're gonna experience what Jesus died on the cross so that we could experience, that you and I have to develop a grateful heart. We've got to deal with a selfish heart. We've got to deal with a regretful heart. We've got to be generous. But then fourth, we've got to develop a grateful heart. I want you to notice in this verse 15, says, remember that you were once slaves. That you were once slaves in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. He said, that is why I'm giving you this command. That God is saying that, that I'm commanding you to be Generous, but I want you to notice in this verse why. Because we were once slaves to sin. And God redeemed you and I with the blood of his son. And because of that, God says to you and me to be generous with others because I was generous to you. There's a theme that's in this verse that I think is important for us to, to see and to understand, that generosity is an overflow of gratitude. The generosity is an overflow of gratitude for where our life was And the fact that God sent his one and only son to die on a cross to redeem us, that generosity in our life becomes an overflow of the gratitude of that in our life. Listen, in the first five minutes when you you heard that this series is kind of wrestling with stewardship and God's way and money and possessions, listen, I know what began to go through some of your minds? You begin to check your wallet to make sure the ushers didn't snag one on the way in. You began to think, here we go again, another church, all about the money. That's not what this series is about. 
This series is a reminder to you and me that we all have some pretty bad stuff in our past. That we all have some pretty bad stuff that, that we are ashamed of. And I don't know about your story, whether you were deep in a pit of sin like me or whether you were deep in a pit of self-righteousness. But I know this. The Bible says that God lifted me out the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, that he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. The reality is this, is that you were once lost and I was once lost, but now we're found. That now we're found. And with that realization in our life, the question is, is where is our gratefulness level? Like, are we grateful for all that God has done in our life? Do we really understand where our sinfulness was leading us? And can we really grasp the idea that God loved us so much that he gave up his one and only son to die on a cross to redeem you and I from a life of sin and destruction and eternal damnation? And can we get to a place in our life where our gratitude so overflows for all that God has done? Understanding how good he truly has been in our life. Would you stand with us and sing this with us? So good to me, God, I can't believe how you love me. What a friend you have been. So good to me, God, I can't believe how you love me. What a friend you have been. church press in for just a moment how grateful are you today how grateful are you
first service impressed something that was on my heart and I want to take a moment and I want to pastor you in the second service the way that the Lord led me in the first service you know a lot of times in our life in our faith journey we can have a moment or we pray a prayer, we surrender our lives to God. For some, it's an emotional experience. It's a big experience. For some, you know, maybe grandma dragged you to church and maybe all you know is church. Like you, you can't even mentally go back to the time that you prayed the prayer to accept you. You've just been like in church all your life. And, and there's a lot, of, a lot of places in between those two extremes. But what happens in our life is as the years go by and as we have these kind of expectations on God that don't end up happening the way that we think that they should happen, that our heart, our heart kind of grows a bit calloused. And we end up finding ourselves going through the motions of faith but not really experiencing the promise of faith. And I call that the wilderness. I call that the wilderness of of wandering around this like, this kind of thing of faith, but never really stepping into the promised land of all that God has for us to experience. The reality is, is that we can never have all that God has for us until we really have a sense of gratitude for all that he has done for us. And I think one of the biggest tools that the enemy uses in our life is is to kind of numb us from the reality of our sin. We hear like Jesus died on a cross to save us from our sin, and we're like, well, you know, not that big of a deal. We, we, we hear like, okay, we can spend eternity with him, but there's this like emotional, you know, disconnect. And, and I want you to hear my heart in what I'm about to say, because um, I want to pastor you. I, I'm not, I don't want to correct you. I want to pastor you through this moment. But the door to God's promises in your life is gratitude. And a lot of us are not willing to open that door. And so we stand on the other side and we feel this kind of 
kind of almost indifference to to God and Jesus and like we believe in the Bible, whatever, like all that stuff. But there's this this huge disconnect between the life that we experience and everything that we hear could be possible. And the door that separates you is the door of gratitude. And what happens in our life is that, you know, we come into a place like this in our journey with God and we sing a song about how blessed we are and all that God has done and hear my heart is that we stand there and maybe our hands are in our pocket maybe our arms are folded maybe we don't sing because we feel like we can't sing and we don't want anybody to hear us singing Right, we stand there and we think, Ryan, can you hurry up? I got lunch plans. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get to the restaurant in time. We have all these things that, that we allow to keep us on the other side of the gratitude door. And if you've been around much at all, you know, because I say it all the time, that like, I'm an introvert. Like, this kind of thing doesn't come easy to me. But the reason why I've surrendered my life and I felt him pushing me in the small of my back over the years to step out of my comfort zone, to go to places that I wasn't comfortable going with, but I was willing to surrender. was because... I've never lost sight of who I was before Jesus. My parents were drug addicts and alcoholics. My mom was a prostitute in and out of prison. I had my own time and season like that. Man, when I surrendered my life to God, I had my face all painted with 666 across my forehead. I was not headed (laughs) in a very good place. And I got the opportunity last weekend to stand before 300 guys and to share a memory from the 1990s when we graduated and I shared that story. That moment that the presence of God rushed into me in such a way that I could not I couldn't explain it, but I couldn't resist it anymore. And I pulled out of that group of guys in 1997 and I went off to a little bathroom and I grabbed a hold of a sink and I looked in the mirror and I got 666 on my forehead. My life is a mess. And I began to wipe that off and it was in that moment that I gave my heart to the Lord. And I'm 20 five years, 26 years, whatever it is, removed from that moment, but have never forgotten that moment, that it is still as fresh in my heart 27 years later than it was the moment that it happened. And it's because I've never allowed the enemy to harden the heart of gratitude 
of all that God has done in my life. And as your pastor, I'm telling you, everything that your heart groans for and aches for and desires and all the things that you read in the word that you think, why, when is this gonna happen in my life? And why can't I have a marriage that, that is like this? And why can I not have kids that are like this? And why can I not parent like this? Like, why can't I have that? And the missing ingredient is a heart of gratitude that never loses sight on where you were. Whether you were the worst of sinners or it was a sin of self-righteousness, right? And I'm telling you, you'll never get it like this. This isn't the life that God had sent his son to die on a cross so that we can have a 70-minute service and you could check it off the box and the average today is 1.7 Sundays a month. Like, God didn't send his one and only son to die on a cross so that we come to church 1.7 times a month. Like, hear me. Guys, hear me. This isn't surrender. This isn't surrender. Surrender looks like in our heart, kneeling before the Father, thinking, I remember what I used to be. And I may not be where I wanna be, but thank God, I'm not who I used to be. And you see this in a physical, but gratitude is this, whether it's physical or spiritual in our heart. And it's surrendering everything to God. And what he's saying in that verse is that because you were once lost in sin and he redeemed you from that, that you have a heart of gratitude because of all that he's done in your life, you can't help but to help other people experience it in their life. And I'm an introvert. And I stand in front of you every single Sunday. And in this moment, I'm kneeling before 200, 300 people. How can I do that? That's not my personality. It's because I have a heart of gratitude. I'm gonna say this, and then we're gonna go back into that song. And I'm, Andrew and I aren't in this for crowds or church services. We're in this because We've dedicated our life and we've said no to money. We've said no to different careers. We've said no to a lot of things. Because we've seen what God can do in a person's life. We've seen how God can change a family tree. 
And our deepest desire is for you to experience that too. And we've dedicated our life to that. Friend, don't miss out. Don't miss out. This word says exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask for, thank, or my favorite part, imagine. is yours. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about relationship. It is yours. If you could just get to a place where you don't lose sight what God has saved you from. And you have a heart of gratitude that says what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter six, Lord, here I am, use me. I'm a man of unclean lips is what he said, but here I am, use me. We're gonna go back in this song and we're gonna take a, a moment and I wanna encourage you, the altars are open, the prayer stations are open. At any point along the process, if you feel like your time of worship is over, you're welcome. There's no guilt, don't feel that. But I want us to go into just a moment of surrendering and worshiping God. And if listen, if today's your first time, make sure you stop by guest services or the Connect Center on your way out. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in our lives. God, help us to never lose sight of what you've saved us from. Father, I come against today the hardened heart. I come against what pain and sin and and, um, discouragement and and unmet expectations have, have built the layers over our heart through the years. Lord, I come against it in Jesus' name. And Father, we ask for forgiveness today for making this thing, our faith, just something that we do, just the box that we check off. Lord, today we surrender our hearts fully to you because we are grateful for your son who died on the cross for us. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.